Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Well, today we are finishing up our conversation on our confession of faith. Uh, that we just said out loud together. And I have loved walking through these ideas. You know, individually, each of these little statements, each of these ideas, individually, they aren't wildly unique. But I really think as as a collection of concepts, when you put them all together, it is what makes our community, it is what makes Gather a different kind of church. And so before we get in before we get into it today, before we get all the way into it, I just want to stop and I want to tell you thank you. Uh, thank you for being willing and open to be a part of a community that is a little bit different, that is talking about some of these different things. Uh, I, I want to tell you thank you for letting me be myself. Uh, I, I really believe deeply in these ideas, um, but in a lot of religious contexts and religious spaces and church communities, uh, I wouldn't be allowed to say these things out loud to a group of people. And so uh, it, is, uh, it is such a gift that you are who you are and that you allow me to be who I am. And so I just want to tell you, thank you. I'm so grateful uh, for you and for our community. So thank you. And uh, th- this confession of faith, I've said it before, but this confession of faith is a framework for the kind of faith we want to have. It's not an exhaustive list of everything that a faith should include. It's just a framework, a starting place. It's some shared language for our community so that as all of us uh, continually to kind of take apart our faith and examine it, as we do that, we have this framework to say, does, does this particular belief, Does this concept, does it fit inside this framework, this foundation that I have? Um, And and so it's just that. It's shared language. It's a framework. It's not everything. And today we're we're talking about having and embracing a compassionate faith. And we say it every week that we're seeking a faith filled with compassion, that we believe our beliefs are never more important than the person right in front of us. And there would be a lot of good words that we could sub in for compassion, we're seeking a faith filled with empathy, would be a very similar idea. We're seeking a faith filled with love. Uh, we're, we're seeking a, a faith where we care for one another. There, there's lots of good words we could kind of sub in here. We're, we're seeking a faith where we don't dehumanize one another. We're seeking a faith where we honor the image of God in one another. There's lots of, there's lots of good things we could sub in uh, there. But I really like using this word compassion because it's a, it's a word that gets used over and over again about Jesus, about how he uh, sees people. Like in Matthew chapter 9, it says, uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Or in Matthew chapter 14, it says, when Jesus landed and he saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed them. Or in Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 15, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on these people. They have already been with me for three days, and they have nothing to eat. I think you get the point that over and over again, Jesus looks out at the people right in front of him. And the gospel writers say that as Jesus looks out, he has compassion on them. That Jesus sees the people right in front of him, and he has compassion. A a, a compassionate faith is a people-focused faith. It's people first. It's people over principles. A compassionate faith means that the people in front of you aren't problems to solve. 
A compassionate faith means that the people in front of you don't need to be convinced or persuaded or quietly manipulated. The people in front of you are to be seen and loved and honored and empowered. It's people over principles. And I think all of us like this idea. I don't think anybody's arguing with this as a concept. We like this idea. We should care and love for the people in front of us. But many of us have been trained. We've been indoctrinated in some ways to put our beliefs, our system of belief, at the very top of the mountain on a pedestal. And what happens is we end up worshiping those beliefs. We, we, we don't even see the people in front of us because of how far and above we've set our system and, and our beliefs. Our ideology can quickly become idolatry. We are prone to worship our beliefs. We are prone to worship our doctrine. We're prone to worship our religious principles. And anytime a belief becomes more important than a person, then our ideology has become idolatry. Anytime, I'm going to say it again, anytime a belief becomes more important than a person, then our ideology has become idolatry. And the Gospels have a lot to say about this because Jesus steps into a religious context that is really defined by rules. It's defined by Jewish law. It's, de it's defined by customs and principles. It's defined by following the rules. And there's a clear narrative in the Gospels where Jesus over and over again is communicating to the people around him that the people he sees, the people that need care and love and healing, that those people are more important than, than the rules and customs and principles that he finds himself working within. It's a, a compassionate faith is the Jesus way. We see it in stories um, like we looked at last week, Jesus and the woman at the well. Right? Re religious custom would say that Jesus should not be talking to this Samaritan woman. But instead, Jesus decides and he counts this woman as more important than his customs. Or, or in one of the most popular stories in the Bible, the story of the prodigal son, where the son leaves his father and squanders all the father's money and comes back, religious uh, principle the law says that the father could have stoned the son, could have killed the son when he came back on his property. That's what the principle said. But instead, Jesus tells a story where the father counts the son as a person over the principle, and he throws his arms around him, and he hugs him. Or the story of Zacchaeus, who's a hated tax collector. He's a sinner. He's an unholy distraction. But Jesus takes all those religious customs that doctrine, those principles, and he pushes them to the side and he sees Zacchaeus as a person who should be seen and honored and loved and cared for. And Jesus counts the person more important than the principle. And then there's this really, um, there's this really great story in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, I think it's great because Jesus is doing the same thing again where he's being this subversive religious leader. And in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus is being openly critiqued by the Pharisees, by the religious elite, for not keeping the Sabbath. Okay, so not working on the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath holy was at the top of the religious rules. It is top priority. And Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He was supposed to be really following the rules. He was supposed to care about all of these customs, all of these principles, 
all of these beliefs. He was a Jewish rabbi. This was supposed to be really, really important to him. Keeping the Sabbath, everyone expected that would be really, really important to him. In Matthew chapter 12, he gets called out um, at first because his disciples are out in the fields picking grain. And they say, don't you know, the religious elite say, Jesus, don't you know your, your disciples are working on the Sabbath? You, you can't have your disciples working on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, well, they're really hungry, which isn't a good enough argument. And then it says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 9, going on from that place, Jesus went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. You see what happens here? The Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. They can't imagine that he would actually break this law, this rule, and heal the man on the Sabbath. But Jesus counts the person in front of him who needs care, who needs healing, he counts that person as more important than the principle. Jesus breaks the rule. Jesus breaks the religious law. He breaks the custom. He breaks the principle. He breaks the belief. He pushes all that to the side because there was a person in front of him that needed care, that needed to be seen, that needed to be healed. Jesus counts the person more important than the principle. And just as a quick note here, and then I'll get back to what I'm really trying to say. You see what happens in verse 14? Jesus counts uh, the person more important than the principle. He, he has a compassionate faith. And then in verse 14, it says the religious elite, the Pharisees, went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. They wanted to kill him because he cared for this person. And I think just as, just as a small note here, and then we'll get back to the important stuff, that a compassionate faith is always threatening to powerful religious systems. Because a compassionate faith does not consult the powerful before they care for the weak, for the meek, for those who need it. Right? Compassionate faith says, well, you don't have to go ask if this is okay to all the people in power. You don't have to get the blessing of the religious power structure. You just care for the person in front of you. And so it was true then that a compassionate faith was threatening to this religious power system. But it's also true now that any act of true compassion and justice will often be seen as threatening to religious power. But Jesus didn't, didn't care that much. Jesus didn't care how threatening it was. Jesus didn't care about these religious rules or customs. He counts the person more important. He does not allow a rule, a principle, a belief to be more important than the person. So I have these friends who lead a church in Austin, and they've been really great to me and really great to our community. Uh, they, they started their church about 15 years before we started ours, and so they've walked down a lot of roads that we haven't had to go down. Uh, and one of those roads that, that they've walked um, is about LGBTQ inclusion, about whether to be an inclusive community. And so uh, it was really great because they already walked down this road and then they got to tell me how it went and then we decided we did want to be an inclusive community. But uh, while they were walking down 
um, this uh, journey, they were trying to figure out how to navigate it because especially earlier, like in the last decade, um, LGBTQ inclusion was a really hot topic issue in the church. It, is, it still is in some communities, not really in our community, but it still is in some communities. And um, to give some context, in a lot of churches, how, how they might come to a belief about this thing uh, is that they would get all the powerful people, all the academics, all the theologically trained, all the people who got to have a say. They would sit in a conference room somewhere far away from everyone else, and they would debate the issue. And then they would stamp it and announce it to everybody else. That's how a decision would get made and get announced. But my friends in Austin, um, they had a smaller community and didn't feel like that's how they really wanted to do it. They didn't want to just go off in a room, all the powerful people, and make a decision and tell everyone in their church. And so they started doing these things called listening circles, which, by the way, is like the most Austin name for a church group, a listening circle. And they did these listening circles where they invited people from uh, kind of all sides of the issue in their community to, to sit at a table, share a meal together, and listen. And uh, they did this really revolutionary thing where they didn't let the straight white men lead the conversation. Pretty wild. They didn't let the straight white men lead the conversation. Instead, what they did is um, they had the people who had been traditionally left out of church communities, traditionally marginalized by church communities. They had their LGBTQ community members share their stories. And they shared their stories of pain and hurt, sometimes abuse. They shared their stories, and really no one else needed to talk. It was a listening circle, after all. And after the first meeting, uh, my friend, the pastor, sent a text to someone who was there. It was a, sent a text to a guy who had been kind of vocally on the fence. You know, kind of vocally, we'll see how it goes. And so he sent a text and asked him how it went. And this man uh, just replied uh, with three words. He sent a three-word text back. He said, I believe them. I believe them. It's a compassionate faith that says, I see you. It's a compassionate faith that says, I honor your story. It's a compassionate faith that says, I believe you. It's a compassionate faith that says, you, the person right in front of me, you are more important than any particular theological belief I have held in the past. You are who is valued. I believe you. Barbara Brown Taylor says this, the only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. We don't love our religion. We don't worship our beliefs. Our ideology becomes idolatry when our beliefs are more important than a person. It's people first. It is the compa it's a compassionate faith. It's the Jesus way. So for you, do you feel like you're practicing a compassionate faith? Do you put people first? Do you see the person in front of you before you see your way of thinking? Do you worship your beliefs? Has your ideology become idolatry? Are you practicing a compassionate faith? Maybe just think, well, what's important to you? Is what's important to you being right or doing someone wrong? Like, what, what's more important? That I don't want to harm someone or that I need to be right? And maybe, you know, just think about where you err. In what direction? Most often. That you need to be right or that you don't want to do someone wrong. For you, what, what could a compassionate faith look like for you this week?
you know, we, we have a lot of friends who are houseless in our uh, neighborhood. And I think about this idea with them a lot, that they as individuals are more important than our set of beliefs. So maybe you just need to see someone as a human and help them. Not try to figure out how they got there or why they're there or some other institutional issue that you say you are a person. I'm choosing to care for you. Or, or, or maybe you just need to take it all the way down. So we've been talking about like big theological beliefs, but maybe you could just think about in your house that your beliefs about just about anything are not as important as the people in your house. So um, like your, your partner, the, the person you live with, your roommates, your kids, they are more important than any beliefs you have. So uh, your partner is more important than the belief you have about how to load the dishwasher or the best way to care for your kids. Your, your partner, the person in your house, is more important than any belief you have, any political belief, any cultural belief, any small, goofy belief. They're more important, and they should be treated as such. And maybe you just think about the people in your network. Maybe you need a little social media help today because you, those people across the keyboard, you don't actually have to look at them. And sometimes we act like they're less important than our belief. And we wouldn't even call it a belief. Most of the time, it's just our opinion. The people in front of us have got to be more important than our opinions. A lot of times, we're not even doing much research. These aren't well-founded beliefs. We're just regurgitating something else we just read on social media, and we've decided that that's more important than the person in front of us. Maybe this week, at each moment that you're trying to prove yourself right, anytime that comes up, I, I want to be right about this, that you would say, I'm more worried about doing you wrong than I am about me being right. That that could just be where the, the push and pull for you. I, I want to be more concerned that I don't do you wrong than I am about me being right. For we're seeking a compassionate faith where our beliefs are never more important than the person right in front of us. And so as we close this whole conversation, this whole conversation on our confession of faith, on the faith that we're seeking as a community, I want you to hear two things from me. First, your theology matters. How you think about God really matters. Because it will ultimately affect your life, your practice in the world. It matters because if you think that God had a humanity problem that needs to be solved, of course, inevitably, you will look out at your world, at the humans in your life, and think that those people are problems that need to be solved. If you think of God as retributive and not restorative, of course, you'll be looking to get even more than you're looking to show kindness. If you think, if your theology leads you to think that our whole world is just a means to an end, then of course you'll see your whole world and your networks and maybe even your family as just a means to an end to something else. Your theology matters. If your theology is harming people, you're doing it wrong. Your theology matters because your beliefs, your theology should inform you that the person right in front of you is more important than any of your theology. And your journey of transformation towards a more compassionate faith, towards a more curious faith, your journey of transformation towards being curious or expansive or rooted in Jesus or, or a little more minimal in your thinking, 
your journey of transformation through this process. It starts with self-acceptance, not self-improvement. If you leave here today and you think, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to work more, I'm going I'm to get the to-do list going, you'll probably just end up on the same religious hamster wheel of shame and guilt that you found yourself in before. Your journey towards transformation starts with self-acceptance. Accept your acceptance, and then you'll be able to offer compassion. Right? You, right now, where you're sitting, however you are, wherever you are, whoever you are, you are more important than any particular belief. You are not up for debate. You are not an issue that needs to be discussed. You are not a problem that needs to be solved. You are not a means to an end. You are beloved. You are believed. Your lived experience is holy and it should be counted as such. If we've dehumanized ourselves, of course we will objectify one another. Accept your acceptance and then you'll be able to offer real compassion. Our beliefs are never more important than a person, and that includes you. And so gather, this is my prayer for you today. As you look at your world and your family and yourself, offer compassion. Don't offer solutions or opinions or judgment. Offer acceptance. Offer love. Offer care. Offer compassion. The people you encounter are the entire point of your beliefs. You were never commanded to love your religion. So love your neighbor and love yourself. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.